The reading this morning is taken from John chapter 17 and verses 20 to 26, and I'm reading from the message. I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me, because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them. So they'll be as unified and together as we are. I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way you loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am, so they can see my glory, the splendour you gave me, having loved me, long before there ever was a world. Righteous Father, the world you the world has never known you, but I have known you, and these disciples know that you sent me on this mission. I have made your very being known to them, who you are and what you do and continue to make it known, so that your love for me might be in them, exactly as I am in them. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. My name is Cameron, and I'm a scattered servant. Um, for those of you who have never met me before, I'm funny. Oh, nice. No, um, I am, I'm here to, to speak um, to you guys today. I'm usually involved with the uh, PR Waters plant, um, but um, Luke is off in Melbourne doing some training stuff at the moment, and he um, called me in as a last resort to, um, to share with you today. Um, who here likes to have the last word? Yeah, a few people, a few people. Um, sometimes we want to have the, want to say the last thing because we want to win an argument. Okay. And, you know, I'm definitely guilty of this. Like, you just got to say the last thing because you know that you're right. Okay. And sometimes we, we think, we, we know that our voice is actually the one that is the most important one to be heard. Okay. And we know the right thing to say. Um, sometimes we've just got the funniest joke to finish off a conversation. Okay. The last word can be a lot of different things. Um, and as a teacher, last words are really important. Um, so the final words that I'll tell a class before they go off to their next thing or go to recess or end the day, um, I can encourage them. I can disappoint. I can educate. I can strike fear. <laughs> well done today, everyone. Um, I'll see you next week. By the way, I've marked all your assignments and you all did very well. Well done today, everyone. I'll see you next week. And by the way, I've marked your assignments um, and only Sam and Rhiannon passed. Well done, everyone, t- today. And I'll see you next week. By the way, I've marked all your assignments. <laughs> Last words have power. Last words can help. They can shape things. And um, so far, you guys have been traveling through... Um, uh, John, where it's the last t- uh, final interactions that Jesus has with his disciples before he's arrested and put to death. 
It's in these moments that Jesus knows he has to prepare his disciples and prepare for their scattering. He has to give them the tools, the encouragement, the challenges, the reassurances so that they will continue when he is gone. And in John 17, at the end of John 17, we reach the last words. If you look in John 18, he's in the garden, he gets um, arrested, there's the the little brawl with Peter. That all stuff happens, but this is his final moments with everyone. And actually, at this point, there are only 11 disciples in the room because Judas has already left. Now, they're not the actual final words of Jesus. They're not even his final words to the disciples, but they are the final teachings before his death. And so in reading this and looking at it, it got me thinking about some other famous final words. Um, So for instance, Bob Marley, he said in his final words, money can't buy life. How good is that? Frida Kahlo said, I hope the exit is joyful and hope never to return. Bessie Smith, who was um, uh, a a blues singer, I I believe, or soul singer, um, said, I'm going, but I'm going in the name of the Lord. And then finally, Winston Churchill, you might have heard this one, I'm bored with it all. (laughs) Some very cool examples of final words. But what would you say as your final words? What would you say as your final words to your friends, to your family? I know it's a bit, bit morbid, a bit bleak, but I think most of us would probably want to say something around love. We'd want to say how we love them, how, how we loved spending the time, all that sort of stuff. And for Jesus, he does precisely that, and he does it in the way he knows best. He prays. And that's what John 17 is. It's a prayer. Jesus knew that all the words of encouragement and the challenges that he set before in these previous chapters, they wouldn't be complete. They wouldn't be fulfilling what he wanted to until he prayed for these men in the room. And I say these men in the room, there might have been others around, it's hard to tell, but at least his disciples, he wanted to pray for them and pray with them. Now, fun fact, this is the only extended period of prayer that Jesus said that we can read in the entire Bible. There are moments of short prayers from Jesus. There's the time where he taught his disciples how to pray, but when he actually prayed, this is it. This is, this is a full prayer. And so that just got me thinking, this has got to be important. This has got to have some value. So what does he pray? Says, he says, the goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they might be one heart and mind with us. That they might be one. This unity, this oneness that Jesus prays for, is what he thinks is the most important thing for his disciples. It's the most important thing for them to hear at this point in their journey. And we often save our most important things for the last moment, right? Who here, when they're eating dinner, will just put the yummiest bit of dinner on on the side so you can save it for the end? Anyone? Yeah? I mean, I'm the sort of person, I eat it first. I'm, I'm different to that. But I know that some people, you kind of, you, you shuffle the chips across or the mashed potato across to the, to the end so you can just finish on a nice bite. Um, here, who here has house sat for someone or has had someone look after their house while they've been away? Anyone? When I was in my early 20s, I did it a, a few times. Um, 
and I, I wasn't very good at it, but I, I did it. Um, and no matter whose house it was, there was always that final debrief with the owners, okay? And in these parting words, they would uh, run through the most important things, okay? So it would be stuff like, don't forget to feed the cat. Okay, it would be make sure you arm the security cameras and disarm the landmines before you enter the property. Okay, it, it's the really important things that they've, they've already told me, but they want to go over again. The last words are usually a reminder, but they are usually the main thing that the person wants you to remember. So when Jesus prays for unity, he really means it. And why? Well, Jesus isn't thinking about this moment right now. He's thinking future. Jesus knows something. He knows he's going to die. He knows he's going to leave them. And so what would have happened if when Jesus died, the disciples all went their separate ways? Well, how about if they all just shared completely different things, things that didn't quite align with what, what Jesus wanted them to share? Or even worse, what if they turned on each other? They were scattered servants, but they all had a bond and they all had a common master. So in a sense, they were never truly scattered. The idea of unity, it also holds true to even today. Um, and you know what I think, and I, I really believe this, I believe the church does unity really, really well if there's a strong sense of God's presence being made known. If miracles and signs are occurring, I think that Christians unite in a glorious way. And I've seen, I've seen it when, when people come together and, and really amazing stuff happens. It's, it's fantastic. We leave our baggage at the door. We let, let go of preconceptions and it results in a beautiful expression of God's love. But where we fail, I believe, is when we're not tuned into the work of God, where we let things like petty squabbles or differences or just insignificant things take the forefront. And I believe that's where the division and unrest and hurt lie. I, I heard a story the other day about, about a church who basically just split in half and not in a good way. I think we split in a really good way here at Billowong. But they split because things that didn't matter came at the forefront. And that's what drove people's desires and wants. Um, and so what's the reason? Why does this disunity happen? Um, it's really simple. Sin. Think about it. If I was without sin and you were without sin, together in Jesus, we'd get along, right? There'd be nothing stopping us. If, if the entire world was without sin, things would be incredible. Everyone would get along. And what's more, as a human being, I tend to think that actually the reason we don't get along isn't my sin, it's your sin. I know there's, a, there's an awkward laugh. Ha, 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 yes, I'm, I'm without sin. Yeah. But we are wired in such a way that we will find the faults, we'll find the shortcomings of others before we look at ourselves. Okay? I mean, there's that, the, the passage of the speck in, in someone else's eye, the log in your own. Um, and this happens especially when we're passionate about something. Um, which hopefully for some of us is our faith. If we're passionate about our faith, if someone tells us that we're missing the mark, that hurts. That is hard to hear. Okay? 
Um, as a musician, in fact, musicians in the room will know that it is so easy to point out if another musician is out of tune. In fact, did it last night. I was at a carol thing. I was sitting next to a, another trumpet or cornet player, and um, we were having a chuckle about how one of the guitarists in the band, they didn't tune their guitar. It was really funny. Super easy to spot someone else, but it is really hard when you are up on stage and if you start singing or playing out of tune, to fix it. It's, it is, it's hard. There's a humility required to appreciate our own sin and a tough step of faith to lay it before God and to meet others in their sin. Now, this unity, um, what, what does the picture of unity look like? Um, well, Jesus says it's the picture of the relationship between Jesus and his Father. It says, they'll be, so they'll be unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me. Now, when, when, I just want you to now imagine in your heads, if I say Jesus and God, Jesus and God, what picture comes in your head? Is anyone picturing one person? Is anyone picturing two people who are identical twins? No? No? Good. Because they're not. We talk about um, Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit, the, the Trinity. They are one, but they're one, but they are unique expressions of the one. Jesus prays for unity. He doesn't pray for uniformity. Jesus and the Father are, are one, but they are, they are different. Now, I, I love the Billabong. I think the Billabong is amazing. It's my home. It's my church. But what kind of capital C church, so the big, wider church, what would we have if every single congregation was exactly the same as the Billabong? I don't think it would be very healthy. Um, and I think we would lose a huge amount of the incredible beauty that the church is um, and what Jesus brings to it if we were all the same. To be close as Jesus and the Father are, to hold the same values and to be heading towards the same goal doesn't have to come at the expense of uniqueness. And I think that's something that we're trying to do in Power of Waters, is we're trying to be unique but still unified, which is why I'm here today. <laughs> I'm able to come and preach to you guys because we're not completely separate. It's the reason that we're doing carols combined together. It's the reason that we're all coming to the Christmas morning and not doing our own thing because whilst we are a unique expression, we are still one. We're still unity. Um, now, I have the awesome privilege of hanging out with um, all sorts of Christians from all sorts of backgrounds, denominations, ethnicities and beliefs, and it's fantastic. Um, even um, So another place I work, the King's College, I've got a small team of music teachers. Um, and in that team, we've got a Wesley Prezi, Charismatic Pentecostal, Mainstream ACC. Um, we've got a real big mix of um, different backgrounds, different um, upbringings in faith. And as much as we differ in terms of beliefs about ministry, um, beliefs about roles, beliefs about worship, we all have that common goal, and we know it, that we want Jesus to be known to those around us. And that's kind of like I can definitely speak here and say that all of my colleagues in that area wouldn't care which church someone goes to as long as they go. If they got to know Jesus through my church, 
they will celebrate. They got to know Jesus through their church, I will celebrate. Um, that's what the unity is all about. But where does it lead to? Why can't we just do our own thing and not worry about what everyone else is doing? Why can't we just be um, a lonely island? Um, and the final part of Jesus' prayer goes like this. I've made your very being known to them, who you are and what you do, and continue to make it known so that your love for me might be in them, exactly as I am in them. So Jesus shows us God, and he continues to show him to us. This leads to his love being in us. And when we are united in love and have that love through each and every one of us, the world will see it. When they see that love, they'll see what's behind the love. And they'll see Jesus is behind the love and in it and through it. Um, in pre- preparing for today, I, I spent a, a long time kind of looking through some stuff and, and trying to figure it out. But it wasn't until I heard this one thing about this passage that really just hit me hard. It's the most beautiful moment of this prayer. And I've been saying it for the end because the end matters. The last words are important. What do we know about Jesus as he's saying these things? We know that he knows that he's going to die. He knows that the end of his time on this earth with his friends is drawing to a close. So what does he say? Now, I want you to listen to this really carefully. It's at the beginning of the passage, and I want to see if you can pick it. He says, I'm not praying only for them, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. Friends, church, I don't want to understate how incredible this is, but in this part of the passage, in these six verses, Jesus isn't only praying for his disciples. He isn't praying for himself. He's praying for you. He knew that the work wouldn't finish with him or even his disciples. Jesus prayed this prayer for every person who hears the message of the gospel and believes. Jesus prayed for you. Jesus prayed for me. If nothing else, this is the encouragement that I need to hear. Um, My team out in Piara Waters, we're venturing into the unknown. We're trying out something that, to be perfectly honest, we don't know how to do. We have no idea how successful we'll be, but we're making things up as we go. It's scary. It's intimidating. But you know what? Jesus prayed for us. And he was completely confident that it wouldn't end with him. He knew that his message of peace and salvation would continue. Um, It would reach out to the ends of the earth. It would not be known by hundreds or thousands. It's known by billions. He prayed so that you might have the assurance that as you live out the gospel in your lives, at your jobs, as you go bargain hunting for Christmas presents, that it also isn't ending with you. And I don't know about you, but just the thought of Jesus praying, it just hits me hard. The wondering about what he prayed at different times um, and the words he said 
to, to his father as different things were happening in his ministry. As he prayed this for us, for you, for me, what do you think he saw? I'd like to think that he saw every believer. He saw the faces flash in front of his eyes. He saw the billabong as it heads into the future as a beacon, a safe haven, a home for the lost and the wandering. He saw the revival of his church in the southern suburbs of Perth, throughout all WA, throughout Australia. He saw the faces of the family and friends that you are praying for right now, knowing that they will come to know him. I just want to finish off today just by reading that passage one more time. And as I read, I just want you to close your eyes. And as you listen to these words, I want you to think, Jesus prayed this for me. Where am I going to take that? How am I going to live that out? It took 2,000 years to get it to us, but it's here. Jesus said, I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them. So they'll be as unified and together as we are. I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way you've loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am so they can see my glory the splendor you gave me, having loved me long before there ever was a world. Righteous Father, the world has never known you, but I have known you and these disciples know that you have sent me on this mission. I have made your very being known to them, who you are and what you do, and continue to make it known so that your love for me might be in them exactly as I in them. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray today for everyone in this room. Thank you for the words that were given to us so, so long ago, God, that are for now, that are for today, that are for tomorrow. And God, I pray for a unity amongst your people. May we hold tight that which keeps us together. Things are at our core. And might we just let those other things that aren't as relevant, aren't as important, go to the side so that we can 
truly appreciate where we're going and where you want us to be. Help us lay our sins at your feet, God. Forgive us and give us the confidence to go out and be with others in their sin so that we can show them who you are. In Jesus' name.